I'm Alexandra Legui. This is Mindset Unfiltered. My guest today is Dean Clark. If you saw Dean in the street, you'd probably think, all right, big, strapping lad, six foot four, looks good, great shape, oozes confidence, probably a bit arrogant, clearly has life sussed and is obviously very happy. Well, that's if you went through life assuming and stereotyping anyway. By the way, how wrong you would be. Don't get me wrong, he is some of the above. He is a six foot four, good looking, athletic gent. But what you don't ever know when you only look at the surface is what's going on underneath. And for Dean, life isn't plain sailing. Fobbed off by doctors his entire life, he was told, and I quote, he just had PTSD like everyone else gets in the army, deal with it. Given zero support, it wasn't until he tried to take his own life in 2017 that any serious help was given, and finally, at the very late age of 29, a diagnosis of bipolar was given. In this honest, raw episode, Dean bravely opens up about his journey, and as a PT and mental and physical coach and speaker, he shares what helps him get through life from day to day, his toolkit. In fact, he is so interesting that our chat went on well over my planned hour, but it was so beneficial and such an insightful chat that it just felt only right to let it continue. I'm sure you'll agree. Meet Dean. Morning. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Steady start today. It's a steady start. Is that a good way to start your day? It is now. (laughs) It's been something that's had to be practiced. How would you describe yourself? Oh, straight in. Ah, yeah, straight in. <laughs> there we go, straight in. <laughs> Do you know what? I love the fact as well that whenever I ask someone to describe themselves, people find it quite difficult to do if they haven't <laughs> spent a lot of time thinking about that sort of question. I think that's probably somewhere where we might be going wrong. We might, yeah. <laughs> might need to do that a little bit more than, than we think instead of... Um, do you know... I, We'll touch on it later. I've got bipolar, so it depends depends when you speak to me. Um, I'd probably say selfless, but in in the ways that I need to be, um, that's probably one of my one of my big things. Is that is it helps me to be selfless as well as like everything. I put it in order. Mentally, it helps me. Physically, it helps me. Um, I, can't, I thrive off of knowing that I've given somebody um, something to, to, to use, utilise, work, or, or made a positive impact. Um, and then the next one would be, it would come down like passionate, dedicated, dedicated, borderline obsessed. <laughs> I think I'd like to use dedicated. Um, and I think that's how it's been applied to, to, to things like business, or mental health, um, and so on. But oh, you're putting a hard question there. So would you, you wouldn't, what's what's like nice is that you wouldn't identify the first thing you you, it's not like you just automatically say right well I'm Dean I've got bipolar so you don't identify as that immediately um no I think it's it's always to do with the the situation like something like this it's kind of you kind of can overthink what you want people to hear yeah and I actually do that with one-to-one things as well with somebody like um, I can 
it depends where I am within myself. Like I do quite a lot of time. Like things like relationships is quite out front now. Like if I, if I was to meet someone, it'd be like, do you know what you're about to possibly let yourself in for? But I think it just really varies. Well, when you say what they're about to let themselves in for, who is that then? What's that? Describe that to us. Because I don't have bipolar. No. I've interviewed a couple of guys with bipolar. I know that it varies, doesn't it, from person to person and depending yeah. on what type of bipolar you have. I think I think it's more me. Like I've always there's a couple of there's a couple of situations in my life where bipolar's from my side, like bipolar can switch emotions off. So as much as I might like somebody, in my head, I'm like, I could hurt this person mm -hmm. and it's actually better to not get involved. But then I'm also trying to step over that line as well. Um, and something happened uh, when I was in hospital after one of the attempts uh, to take my life where that person that was close by me, she couldn't deal with it. And I respect at the time, I didn't like my head was really, really foggy, and I was in, I was in a bad, bad place. I was, I was genuinely gutted and felt like a failure that I couldn't even take my life at that time. That's how, that's how sort of pathetic I felt. So I sort of, I have that in the back of my mind. I probably not healed that part. Where if I open up, is that person going to step away from me? And I can be extreme. So as much as I'm better, and I've got this element of stability, like there is times when I can go hypermanic um and it, people people just see bipolar as manic depressant still like you're high or low and there's there's like a mashed up in between that's really hard for people to gauge like if i can be really cold with people i still care for that person and this is all relationships this could be a friendship but it won't come across that way it, it'll come across as like you know some people have said oh you're seeing somebody else or you're doing this or do you not care for me or not love for me? So I, I, it just cuts. So I try to explain that. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't really go much further. <laughs> but it is what it is. It takes a, it takes a strong person to live with bipolar mm. uh, for different reasons. But it takes an even stronger person to live with someone with bipolar. That's what I think. Quite often the way I think with any mental and physical ailment, doesn't it, if you like? Quite often, people forget the impact that it's having on people around as well. It's not always just that that one person who's in it and who's who's no. dealing with it, is it? There's a, a sort of a plethora of people around who are who are going on the journey with you, if you like. Yeah, totally. I, 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 when I speak to people, it's like we've we've all got mental health, mm -hmm. and we're all at risk of a mental illness, especially now. It's, I mean, we don't need to go into stats and stuff like that. It's it's actually irrelevant. It's so there. It's so prevalent. It's so much in front of us. But equally, you know, you may not have a mental illness, but that person's the way that you, you become selfless and, and, and you don't look after yourself, you actually become a risk as well. So it becomes, mm -hmm. it may not be the severity, you may not have like a diagnosis like, but depression comes in so many different ways. Um, and it becomes emotionally draining. A really good friend of mine who she, she, she's been there through absolutely everything. Um, we was business partners and stuff like that. And I can see now like how much it takes on that person to take somebody else's mental illness on. Um, but equally, they're important. Um, like it's, it's good to have those relationships and I've got a different person that can do a different thing for me. Like, and so it's a hard one. I think it's really difficult for people looking in that 
that don't have the mental illness uh, feel helpless. You're watching a loved one potentially crumble and not help them. So how would you describe your day-to-day? Does it vary when you wake up? Is there is there anything that you... Do you wake up and, and know how your day is going to be around how you wake up? Or does it is it something that peaks and troughs throughout the day? Yeah, it can do. Um, it, it really depends. Like one of the first things that I do now, and again, this, I'm, I'm well into my journey with, with mental health and my mental illness. But one of the f- things that I've started to do really, now I've got the opportunity instead of getting up and working all day, I, I give myself a few minutes in bed and go, like, am I physically exhausted? Am I mentally exhausted? Like, am I feeling a bit, like, normally the first thoughts that go into my head depends, dictates kind of how that, that day will go. Um, the anxiety one's probably the big one. That's that's kind of like, I'll wake up and it'll be, it'll be, got to do this, got to do that. And it could be the most littlest thing. Like it, it could be answering a few emails, um, you know, having bipolar and running a business. Uh, like, it, I don't think I could have made it any, any more difficult, mm. um, but it could be the smallest thing. So that just depends. I call it like a self-care check-in. I get my clients to do it as well. I don't know how many people ask themselves, how do you feel? Um, but that could be anything. That could be like within a relationship and have a bit of a, you know, like a tiff or an argument. And it's, it's like we act so impulsively, which can be a positive thing. But then also we don't sit there and go, well, actually, do you know what? I feel like crap or I feel low. I feel sad. Like, you know, maybe I'm not actually feeling depressed today. Maybe it's just the fact that yesterday I had a hard training day and I had loads of meetings and I'm just tired. You've got to recognize that. So that's the first thing I do straight away. That's so true. And that applies to absolutely everybody. And like you said, you obviously bring that into your clients, don't you? As, as you know, it's not just something that's for you. It's like every single person can do that. And most people don't tap into what they're actually feeling. We're very good at like objectifying ourselves. And, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm stressed. I've got this, this, this to do. Okay. So how are you actually feeling about that? And then once you've grasped, well, actually I feel a bit sad or I feel like it, I'm scared, you know, almost all the time, you know, almost always there's fear in there somewhere, fear of failure or fear of not being able to complete something and letting people down. And people just forget to tap into that bit, don't they? Oh, massively. We're so, we're, we're so distracted with stuff. Like we're in sensory overload. Um, I mean, uh, social media is a massive topic. But uh, we try and work against it instead of working with it. But we've got so much going on. Like, I would hate to be a kid right now, like late teens. Like, I just had to worry about a Nokia 3310 hitting the floor and not breaking. <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the biggest dilemma in my life. And, and how well you were doing on Snake. <laughs> yeah, how well you were doing. And then it like Snake 2 come out and you're kind of like, oh, yeah. So or it was sort of like getting as far up the field as possible to smoke your cigarette so you didn't get caught at school. Yeah. But now it is, it's huge. And... I think that it becomes part of a framework, like physical, like I look at physical training and mental health exactly the same, like you need a framework. And I think that's where it kind of comes down to is like recognizing those things, especially for a man, like, let's face it, we, we couldn't be more like untuned with our, with our emotions, let alone talk about them, so. That's something that seems to be improving though over the time and, and people are much more aware aren't they of male mental health and I know the statistics are much worse for men than they are for women for suicide rates and depression rates and things but 
um, there does seem to be a quite a big movement that's happening at the moment to try and encourage men to open up a little bit more. Hundred percent, it's definitely getting better. Um, like I do, I do try and I, I sort of change the way we look at mental health and so on. It's kind of like yes, statistics are rising, um, and maybe it's it's the fact that we need to be looking at other things instead of actually men talking out because I, I believe more men are talking out. Um, I believe men will go through their whole life not talking. I believe we're going through a generation thing where people are becoming more in tune. Um, there's so much awareness going on now. Um, and, and people are starting to see that. They're starting to follow that. But yeah, I think I think with um, the, the men's side itself, it's 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 trying to it's trying to make everything relatable. Um, like there's a big gap, right? I, I see it. It's a big gap between getting somebody to talk about their mental health. There's there's so much in the middle that we can do. And I think one of the things that's making the biggest impact is is a lot of men, men that you wouldn't. Like, like myself, you wouldn't see struggling with their mental health. Like it happens daily for me and becoming relatable. Mental health experience is so relatable to other people and everyone's experience is completely different. Um, so the more things like stuff like this, like the amazing things that you're doing, it's just, it's just getting somebody out there. Like you might not relate to that story, but then you may. And I think that's what's, what's actually creating um, a more positive change. And on the flip side of it, it's kind of like, well, if this is working, like what's not working like why are the statistics going higher is it actually because men are not talking i believe it's actually probably not like that could be a factor but i actually think it's that you know people in job environments are, are going under more high pressure um men are having to yeah and it's equal for men and women but talk for men like men are having to take more on men are having to do this and men are having to do that and they're not being taught how to manage it and how to deal with it um, especially like high job roles and I speak for, for females and males I've spoken to high corporate roles and I've gone wow no wonder why you have so many of your staff employees off no wonder why all these statistics are rising so so high because actually you're just asking people to talk instead of actually looking at the core of it and going well hang on what is going wrong here right is, is it the fact that men are not talking or is it something else you're so right. I did an interview with a company called Talkout. They're a charity that specifically help with mental health in the workplace. And they were saying exactly that, that really every single business needs to have a almost like a weekly check-in, you know, and, and a genuine, where is your mind at right now? And what can we do to support you and help you? And, and that's really what they're trying to do because that's you touch on like the you know the people who are high up in their roles and stuff they don't have that support network you know and also how much more could we be doing like from the educational route as well there's nothing there's a there's still I think a male female divide there that you know women are sort of encouraged to express their feelings and you know I remember I mean I went to a girls school but we had sort of social classes and uh you know classes that were specifically to do with learning about how to be a woman but i i yeah. bet my you know my life on the fact that boys schools don't have that and mixed schools don't have that for boys mm. and it's still not there is it it's still not in place there's a counselor there's a social worker at a school but there's not this encouragement to use them and and that it should be part of the curriculum almost no no 100 i think I think with that corporate thing as well, it's kind of like, let's face it, corporate world, greed. 
like there's a lot of it. So if you don't want to invest time in looking after your employees and staff mental health, why don't you invest time in looking after their mental health? Because they're going to create a bigger um, like income for you, revenue, sales, all of those things. So if that's the way you're driven, then use that. Um, and I think with schools, I've worked in schools, really, really fortunate to work in schools and, and a sports coach. And again, like we're trying to put all these things in place and we're trying to get all this money, but is there actually other stuff we can change that gives that marginal gains? And I know we, we can sit here and put the world to right. Of course we can, because it's a lot easier said than done. But you look at breakfast club in a school. You start that kid that that kid's day by pumping them with cereal, right? And you give them the toast and the bread and stuff like that. But that's not to say that you can't have those. But mental health, there's, there's, there's enough science-based evidence to, to gut health, mm-hmm. okay? And then you wonder why kids crash and they get tired. And then that's going to impact their mental health. And then kids don't actually know if they're angry, sad, or anything else like we walk out of the toilet and we can press a button how good that toilet service was right let's just get those things in schools explain to explain to the kids like this is happy this is sad you can do it and then it becomes conformity right which is one of the biggest places and the biggest things in school one of the biggest positives we have maybe in life but one of our biggest negatives is conformity and um, and i think as the time it will start to pick up momentum i just think it's it's always a ticker box. Mm-hmm. It's only one way that we're offering people these things in schools. And I, I don't think that many people are looking outside the box. And then the schools are so under pressure. After the course to a school, mm-hmm. they're like, well, we might have 30 minutes in our training day yeah. to do that, possibly. Yeah, that's so true. I got approached by um, my old senior school, actually. They asked me to teach yoga to the students. And the students were uh, actually crying out and asking to have yoga and meditation. Even the GCSE wow. group were asking if they could have meditation sessions. Like to be aware of that at 15 is incredible. Um, but the, and I, and I, you know, it was like, I, I would absolutely love to, but I'm going to have to charge a fee because I can't, I can't afford to do it for free. And they were like, well, we don't have the budget for it. And I was like, this is a real catch 22 because obviously I want to come in and, do a weekly session but it wasn't just one session because obviously there's a whole school of age groups that needed it so it was you know a good sort of four days a week four afternoons a week that they wanted me to come in and do it and I was like but I'm not I'm not money bags you know working as a freelancer oh. you we have to get paid and I, and I, so I just can't do that for you I'm afraid but I think it's amazing and when you do have you know some sort of budget then I would be the first person to say yes um there's not like somewhere along the line they haven't been given that budget to put in and yet there are 15 year olds asking for it that's insane well it's 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 like if something's in demand then Mm. people tend to step over things and 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 do things like Mm. um going through in terms of like making it happen but I mean, like, yoga's great. They brought it to the school that I was at. And I'll be honest with you, I was that typical guy. Like, you, you was not going to get me doing yoga. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there was no way. I'd look at you going, like, at the time I was a bodybuilder, I was like, I'm a bro here. <laughs> <laughs> I, ain't in, I can't even touch my toes. But yeah. I, I get it now because it's different. Um, and, and also the mindfulness. But yeah. is there stuff that, that that is actually free? Like, come on, what's, like, social media... Why are kids not being taught social media at yeah. school? Right? And how to deal with it. 
having to deal with it, but also entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's, there's there's so much we can cover. And I know we said it earlier. Like, we can sit here like, and, and just put the whole world to rights and be like, I hope it changes. But they're really subtle changes. Yeah, in my opinion, like teach a kid social media. This is what it can do. It can't do. Like, but then on the flip side, you'll be like. Oh, you don't want to put, they'll start having an unhealthy relationship and you'll start building. It's like, well, no, you're giving them information. Information doesn't cause unhealthy relationships. A little bit like calories with food, right? If I'm telling somebody what's inside calories and making them aware and aware of tracking it, I'm not giving them an unhealthy relationship with food. No. Like, I'm giving them an option or something and knowledge and education. Yeah. What happens after that? Obviously, I, I, I can't say because it can, it, you know, all sorts of things can go on people's lives in terms of pressure and like athletes and stuff like that. But just giving them information, mm-hmm. right? Are we actually giving schools, teachers, kids information, really? Or are we trying to belt feed them constant education and put mm-hmm. pressures on them? Kids buckled in lockdown because they're GCSEs. That's how much your life is dictated by the GCSEs. Not necessarily. No, no, not at all. Definitely not. So um, I'm just going to rewind the clock a little bit. Um, I, I do want to really go into, you've touched on nutrition a couple of times. I know that's a big part of what you do and, and the coaching and the physical coaching and stuff. But just I just want to rewind a little bit. Um, what are the triggers for you for, for, with your bipolar um, that was one of the questions that I had come in on Instagram. He he was anonymous, but I wanted just wanted to oh, ask wow. you that okay, before okay. we move on to the physical and mental. Uh, do you know what? First of all, if, 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 if the guy's listening in, it doesn't matter if you're anonymous. Just just get your questions out there. Um, so so my personal experiences with triggers, um, they they tend to be routine. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what I'm big on. We thrive off that as as people humans that that's my first sort of trigger things if routine is broken yeah so like something it might be from the army something will change mm-hmm. um and i just can't deal with it mentally like i'll adapt i do it um but there's a knock-on effect after um and and that tends to be one of the one of one of the biggest ones can be a small change and it's why my life is so strict but then on the flip side is that actually helping me or is it making my illness worse mm-hmm. um the next the next one for me the biggest one is my sleep um it gets affected uh, a lot um i'm using the whoop system at the minute but my sleep's the big one um in terms of it as soon as i have broken sleep that has a spiral effect mm-hmm. um and then I think I think I think the biggest one is it's quite it's a hard one because I talk about mental health, mental illness. But one of my triggers is is like is when I talk about it as well. I know it sounds quite contradictory yeah. of what I'm doing, but not so much this situation. It's where it's it's kind of like I can't answer the question. I know it sounds quite strange, but somebody will ask me something and I'll be like. I don't know, or I can't answer that, or I can't do that, or or I can't be. And then all of a sudden, my mind, because I, I worry quite a lot of this stuff, it acts like tumbleweed. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like anxiety will increase, um, and, and so on. And, and then I have PTSD as well. 
we're not, you know, we haven't got back to where that went from, like what part in my army career that happened. Um, and, and it can just be things like that. Like I live in the middle of the countryside. Um, they do a lot of shooting here. It just be something as simple as that. Um, and then that hits my bipolar episodes as well. But routine, my biggest trigger, without a doubt, routine. Oh. So when I contacted you about um, doing an interview, would that have changed your routine for today or did you have enough time to prepare for it to mm. almost mentally put it in there? Yeah, it, it will. Um, and then what it is, is like, um, I'm always trying to thrive with my mental health and my mental illness because that's our purpose in life. It's constant development. So I've got systems now that help. They don't always work. So someone approaches me, like what I'll do, what I'll do is like, right, if I put this in in the first day, they say, this isn't going to help me. But if I give myself a couple of days and it gets myself prepared and I can, because don't get me wrong, I, I, can, I can go and talk constantly and I, I do public talking and stuff like that. But trust me, the anxiety that kicks in, I had anxiety leading into this, like nerves, but to the point where I know my anxiety symptoms. So yeah, it does to a degree, but it builds up a system. Um, and I think for that, that kind of that, that guy's sort of question as well is it's like once you figure out your triggers, yeah. you can figure out a system around it. So it does impact. Um, I think I think the hardest one is when I'm quite caught off guard, when I'm kind of one to one with people, because I feel I, I openly talk, but it's all about choice. I choose to talk about my mental health. I choose to talk about my mental illness. And when someone catches me off guard. It's, it's, it's out of my control and that's that's when it becomes a bit of a trigger for me that makes total sense thank you and I, actually i think that quite a lot of people would relate to that anyway i think there are lots and lots of people that um you know don't necessarily have a diagnosis of something but they would that change of routine can affect an awful lot of people can't it and we've seen that um this year for example with the lockdown that that lack of routine in itself just done enough damage to a lot of people. Oh, huge, 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 huge. And, that, and that's another thing as well. It's always trying to figure out what's, I can't, what's normal and what is my mental illness. Mm -hmm. And I always say it to a lot of people, and some people don't want to say it, it's like, are you sad or are you depressed? Yeah. Are you nervous or are you anxious? Or are you excited or are you anxious? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, are you, people don't like when we say this, like, are you actually feeling sorry for yourself or do you have a valid reason to to overanalyze what's going on because of something that's going on mentally? Like, mm -hmm. I need people to tell me, like, I'm, I'm, I need people like, Dean, get a grip, mm -hmm. right? Like, you do need to get a grip. And that's another thing. It's like, are those people nurturing? You know, are, do we need to nurture certain situations or do we need to start understanding where that, I got told to man up in the army, right? Because it's an army saying, and I'll say it to some of my mates. But the thing about it is now is that it's all to be, it's all association. Yeah. Um, and the same for food. We associate our relationships with food is screwed because of what we associate with. It. We'll talk about it later. But I think that's you know coming off the subject slightly. I think that's one of the things about it is is also understanding. A lot of time it's not my mental illness. A lot of time it's not one. It's, it's not. It's, it's me. My personality, yeah. my attitude, my behaviour. Um, so I think yeah, trying to trying to get between figure out the two as well. I know we slightly spun off there, but no, no, got to know the two as well. 
And are there some things, like you talk about man up just there, which, um, you know, I do think there is an element sometimes of a bit of tough love, isn't there, that can really help people without, you know, people are scared of offending, but actually sometimes you're right, like you almost need to go, listen, you're not, life isn't so bad right now. You can deal with this. You'll be absolutely fine. Here's, you know, come on, come on rather than almost indulging for some people. So 100%, um, and also it's about developing people, and I kind of, I, I kind of do that with, with people as well, and it, if you, sometimes in life with situations, like you can't, you can't approach a fragile situation with a fragile mind or a fragile approach. That's so like, true. You've got to be direct sometimes. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's a fine art, and you're not going to get it wrong. It's a little bit like suicide, and hopefully we'll, we'll talk about it later. Like, people won't ask someone if they're thinking about suicide in case they think they're going to act on suicide because they've asked them. And yeah. I, I think, you know, like what you're saying then, and, and, and about the, the kind of the man up thing, it's great. People have taken man up, okay, they've changed the label of it and the association, and now they're using it as campaign the movement which is great and that's absolutely perfect exactly the same as like it's okay to not be okay but that's another subject so like, define okay yeah we need to be asking a bit more than okay right yeah. um so yeah i think there's a time and a place like joking about but also like some not just separate men in categories but in terms of it but like some more hardened men Okay, because of experience and what they've gone through, like a lot of my ex-military mates, we respond to that. So that's a positive thing. But on the flip side of it, <laughs> I thought aware of it, it could have an opposite effect. So it's, I, I just don't think we need to make everything so, so fragile because are we potentially making it worse? I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I can only talk from my experience, but... How far do we go each end with each situation? Because everybody's different. Like for yourself, you know, you, you're going through you're going through pregnancy, hormonal changes. You're going to need to have that comfort at some point. But there's no doubt when you know it's a little bit like actually you say to yourself like, Alex, like come on, like sort yourself out, get a grip. Right. I don't know. You're going to get some mixed opinions on this bit, but no, I I totally agree, and it is a personal thing, and I think that um. It comes down to people understanding what their own personal triggers are for stuff like that. And for me, it is things like lack of sleep. You know, if I um, have a, a crappy day and I look at what's, what's led up to it the three days before, almost always I might, well, probably had like four hours sleep each night and that makes me feel horrendous and that everything's really hard. And that tends to be why I then start going down or reacting or whatever there's almost always a trigger at all foods. Like you touched on that earlier that people don't have, they don't realize how much impact that makes on people's health. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And like Instagram is, is, is an evolution, comes in circles, the next trend. That's what it is. It just shares trends and it comes into that conformity side yet again. Um, you know, you've got all these people like James Smith and all these people that are doing their thing and stuff like that. And then you've got like social influence that are saying, if you eat this, if you want to eat it, and eat this, if you want to eat it. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, I get that. I totally do get that. But 
as much as you're trying to not get people to have an unhealthy relationship with food, you're not really thinking of the bigger picture either, are you? Like, yes, you're looking after people's mental health and relationships with food, but like, I know a lot of people, if I say to them, go eat the cookie, go eat this, go do that, they'll go and eat it, and they'll carry on eating it, and they'll carry on eating it. And food affects your gut health, your digestive system. So are, are we helping situations? Are we making them worse? Or, or are we actually just throwing it out and hoping for something positive to happen? Like, I do get it. I follow a lot of people. There's some excellent influencers out there, and there's some that shouldn't be followed. But I do believe that there's also got to be, you know, what, what people are trying to actually do and how people perceive it. Like, the thing about social media is it's the person creating the content and the person that's, that's receiving it, right? They're the only two people. Because although there's massive people looking at the social media or that post, there's just one eyes on that, and it's one person. And that's where the issue is at. So are all of these people, including myself and stuff, are we thinking of everybody else? And are we actually having a positive impact on everybody? Or are we having it on, majority, like on, on the minority? And I, and I know, again, like the conversation we had earlier, it, it is a fine line. But we want to help people's mental health with relationships with food. Yes, we have to do that. But is it helping by saying, if you want this, go and have this. If you want that, go and have that. If you want to go and that, go and have that. Like, without realizing that like, the core of food affects our mental health as well. Like digestive, the gut. Like, there's, there's so much going on inside our digestive system. It is unreal. So um, when did you start learning all of this? And when did you... Um, when did you... Uh, was it to do with your mental health diagnosis that inspired you to go down the mental and physical coaching route? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've, I've, I've always kind of like, I've been the personal trainer in the fitness industry. And I think when, my, when, it, when it changed for me is when I started to look at both of it. And then when I start to look back, I kind of like, look, there's a lot of personal trainers about, there's hundreds. Knowledge is power. You can have all the courses in the world. I totally get it. But a lot of them just mean a bit of paper at the end of it. I'm not talking about university courses and all these things. There's a lot. There's some you could pull out of a cereal box and be worth whatever it is. But yeah, for me, it kind of changed then. And I, was, I sort of look back and I'm kind of thinking, well, shouldn't the personal trainer course change? Because we don't talk about much mental health on there. We just think that physical exercise benefits our mental health it doesn't like it's it's a it's a positive outcome of it a result but our mental health affects our physical health so as soon as it started happening with me like i'm i'm not a nutritional guru by any chance i'm not highly qualified in nutrition and i make it absolutely plain if if somebody says to me like what's this thing i don't know but i tell you what this person knows go follow him ben coomer all of these people it's like I can't answer that. Go and do it. So yeah, it did. It changed for me then and started to look at it. And it's kind of like, well, what 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 is going wrong in terms of it? Like, what why are we actually why have we got a plan for our mental health and a plan for our physical health? And why are we not treating them the same? And we're still not quite treating them the same. Um, some people. That's are, so true. Like, I don't understand why in our because I did my PT as well. There wasn't it's like there wasn't a mention of mental health. Why is that not in there? <laughs> like, uh, that's yeah. insane, isn't it? It blows my mind. And I, I kind of think, like, well, 
let's face it, like any industry, you get good and bad. But personal trainers, they they look after people's lives, um, and they look after people's mental health. Now, is it the fact that personal trainers? Is it the fact that they're the problem, or is it the fact that the providers are the problem? And it's just like being back at school, right? It's a belt system, like anything. The, the gym industry changed when the platforms of 24-hour gyms came in and we went, let's get all the people that don't actually go to the gym, pay our salary. Let's get loads of personal trainers in there and charge them extortionate rates and get them to clean equipment and not actually give them any business development. And it also goes way back to that with personal trainers, like anything. Like there's so many courses out there and they're not they're not actually providing that. So a lot of people are like, oh, you know, not a great personal trainer or they're not great at this. It's like, well, maybe some of them might not be, might be passionate about it, but I know full well that my personal training course was pretty shocking, really, looking back of it. I know they're to give you your L plates like you're driving, but in the grand scheme of things, actually what they're delivering is is abysmal. It is shocking. Because the more people they get in there, the more money they get. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're still using that uh, eat healthy plate that's... <laughs> oh, <I> know, right? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it just doesn't even slightly make any sense at all. You've got your three quarters meal, haven't you, or whatever it was, oh, yeah. divided into three sections. Yeah, that's... Yeah. No, no, that's actually it. <laughs> like, you go, you're looking at it, it's like, really? Like, and I mean, it gives it gives the job, it gives the purpose, but I don't I don't think this one conversation is going to change the PT industry. And it's not it's not about trying to change the PT industry. It's trying to give people, um, you know, people give them another view of what's going on or another perspective of it as such. Um, yeah. and even even trainers, but. So, how does um, your fitness journey help you mentally, personally? Oh wow. I, I couldn't live without it. Um, mm. It's it's more than my mental health. It's it's bred in me uh, mm. to, to to be that way from an early age. But in terms of it, it's something I can control. Um, I believe absolutely everyone should do some form of physical activity. Mm. You don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to do one of these seven-minute home workouts, right? You don't have to go and do CrossFit. You don't have to go and do all these things. But when you find something you enjoy, you cannot take away the science, right? You can't do it. Um, and for me, it's absolutely everything. I couldn't – I thrive in there. I could sit in a gym all day long, and people would be like, oh, know, it's really unsociable. No, I'm just not socializing with you. I'm socializing with everybody in the gym. It's my safe place. It's my quiet place. I'm passionate about it, but I actually love it. Yeah. And that's another thing I coach people with. A lot of people are like, oh, I know. What are you going to do? Just find me an exercise program. I was like, no. By the time I'm finished with you, I'm going to offer you sustainability, but I'm going to find something you like. Mm. And it might not even be physical training. Mm. It could be something else. But I will find that if that person needs it or requires it. I will find it. And so what's the process of finding it? You kind of got to use elimination. So I, I build framework, which um, it, takes a number, it takes a number of processes of people. Normally, like when I'm speaking to people, I try not to do this kind of like judge of character. 
I kind of see it as like a complete development. So I always I run like an initial framework phase, and it's all to do with communication. Right? Mm. It's always to do with like listening to people. Like it's always you know, it's it's about like dropping keywords and stuff like that. Like the art of storytelling and the art of listening is like we're not very good at it. No, <laughs> not very good at listening. But when you I know it sounds quite cliche, people are like how do you do it through listening? Well, try listening. And that's kind of how the process starts. Sort of like, you know, first thing I do is if I speak to someone, it's like, why are you, why are you talking to me? Why are you doing this? I want to lose weight. No. Yeah. That's your what. And that's where people are going that's wrong. So true. <laughs> and that's, they go, I want to lose weight. And I'm like, no, we're not training to lose weight. You can lose weight if you want to. If you follow the plan and the process, you will lose weight. But why are you actually doing it? Yeah. And I'm like, you got your what? You got how? Potentially, you've asked me. You could ask someone else, and if I'm not the right person for you, I'll be honest. Um, and you got your why? And all of those little things tell you stuff about people mm-hmm. because you use them along the line. So it's like, why are you doing it? I want to be able to run around in the garden with my child. Okay, cool. How can I get this person moving more, interacting, and make them happier? Because the more they enjoy stuff cool let's let's do something with with your child more like take that bit out do this part go walking with them like go kick the ball what i don't actually have to go to a gym no no you don't have to go to a gym <laughs> you don't you don't have to go to a gym um but you know and it, it does it comes through there like communication that's, yeah. that's how i always work now it's taking time so it's a skill i'm not the best listener <laughs> far from it but that's where it starts that's so true. That is so true. The why is, is definitely the, that, you know, when I was teaching, I teach like manifestation, mindfulness workshops yeah. and things. And I cover yeah. a little bit of that in that as well. And um, I had a, a workshop about six months ago and, and a couple of the women were saying, I just want to lose weight. And I was like, okay, well, why, why, why do you want to do that? Oh, well then, you know, then they're able to discuss the fact that they feel insecure. They feel like their husband doesn't find them attractive anymore. They find that they're finding it harder to uh, play with their children or their friends or their, you know, grandchildren or whatever. And I was like, then they're all your motivations and it's finding your motivation. And that's what will help you. And then their their immediate panic of going to the gym. You know, I think gym is really intimidating for a lot of people. And, and so therefore, okay, but you don't, you don't need to go to the gym, you know, walking is amazing. And also, you know, putting, implementing things into your day-to-day life, you know, the, the kettle boils for, you know, two minutes, but you probably put, have a, you know, how many cups of tea or coffee do you have a day? Let's say four or five or whatever, depending. Well, that's, you could do squats or stand on one leg for the duration of the kettle boiling and you're already putting something into your day-to-day life you can do what I started doing um a couple of years ago when I was rebuilding after an injury is just doing squats when the toilet when I flush the toilet and I'd have the I'd use the toilet as my like as my you know level and so I'd you know finish go to the loo flush the drain and then I would just do like 10 it would always work out to be about 10 squats if you like down to the loo level just while the loo was flushing but how many times do you go to the toilet and before you know it you're doing 100 squats a day but if I told you to go and do 100 squats a day you'd be like that's not gonna happen 
Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm going to take that. I mean, that's that personal development is about taking other food and going. But you yeah. mentioned something about motivation, right? So, why do people not keep to stuff? Motivation. Can I motivate someone? No. I can teach them skills, aptitude, right? I can do that. But I can't necessarily change your behavior and your mm-hmm. attitude. Okay. And that's a lot harder to teach. But self motivation, I, I didn't come up with this concept, right? Okay. Uh, this is this was for a TED talk, and I was like, "Wow, this is powerful." Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was looking at like, let's face it, all of these memes or memes where go through yeah. social media, like you got to get out with the lions, and you got to do this, and a shark goes and gets its food, and it's like, that's not working. No one cares. <laughs> that don't right. work. You can share all of them you want. Yeah. Self motivation, self motivation. Sorry, right? And I read it. I watched this TED talk. And I was like, "Wow!" Like I need to adopt this myself first. And it's kind of like, how can I get my clients? So I'd done a study at the first lockdown. I was like, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to offer a product that's free. And I'm going to try different things with different people. Okay. Not, not, in, a, not in a bad way. <laughs> but I want to find out when they lose motivation. Mm. And then I applied this. And what it is, is, it's at the top, right? Social incentive. Again, I did not come up with this. I wish I did. Social incentive, right? Group, community. That's motivation right there. You've got a group chat, a WhatsApp chat. Come on, girls, we're going to go out. Come on, guys, let's go to the gym. Bang, straight away, motivation. Then you've got progress monitoring, okay? Program, okay? Over time, you see results. May it be weight loss, whatever it is. Immediate reward, strength training, doing that extra mile, doing that 500 meters. Not everybody fits into one of those brackets, right? But you do fit into one of those brackets. And this is what this lady said, this doctor. She used your... um, she used like your E on your electricity bill, right? Or your credit check as an example. And I was kind of like, how does this work? So when they send you it, you open it, okay? And they tell you, you are the top third in your street. Social incentive, yeah. okay? Then they're like, you have saved this amount over the last eight weeks. Progression. Immediate reward. We're going to give you 10% off your next bill. We're going to do this. You're a valued customer. Come on, these guys are tuned in the psychology. Yeah apply that i apply it to my client like you can go to someone come on get up do this like those days those trainers are gone you gotta do this one more rep no pain no gain go hard go home come on (laughs) stop it like (laughs) stop it it doesn't work okay it doesn't but if you go to your clients or your friends or people or whatever it is it's like why is my friend not motivated right now why is someone not motivated because it comes from them just use those three Free, free um, areas to work with. Like you can do it with everyone. That TED talk changed my life. I think. I, I think the way I treat people, the way I do it myself, and, and so on. Because you can relate that to mental health as well. Okay. And you do a lot of public speaking yourself. Right. So, what happened was, is I started to do a little bit of it, um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do uh, in terms of how I could help people. Um, I didn't want to be different. I just want it to be organic and true. Um, so, yeah, it started like a couple of times last year. It's a tough area to get into. Mm. I actually parted way with my previous business at the start of lockdown <laughs> to then focus on it. I got a mentor. I got, I got a coach within it. You couldn't do anything public <laughs> at the minute. So, yeah, I'm just building the platforms now. Um, and just seeing where I can go with it, um, I will get there. One hundred percent, I will get there. I will share what I want to share. 
um, with people, maybe in a group of five, three. I don't, I don't care. And then I've got social media. So, yeah, it's, I'm very new to it, new to the game. I'm not there to motivate people, as we just spoke about. You know, I, I, I want to make relatable stories, share them what I've, I've learned, and just the whole thing I speak about is changing the way we look at mental health and physical health. Um, and goes through so yeah it's all about foot in the doors and just being given a chance and, and share a story and then build the big one which is soldier to suicide um which is just talking about my journey really we're not really quite sure how we're going to do it and how we're going to present it and how we're going to how we're going to do it it's a long-term thing but it's, it's it's a talk that i want to do and share everything that's happened um stuff i spoke about before and, and that i haven't got before um, and yeah, and then finally offering a course called Back on Track, which is in development, um, like trying to get people to understand that it's okay to fall off track as such, um, and that you need a number of resources and tools to have that to get back on, um, and understanding those tools and that what we spoke about at the beginning, self-care being one of them, um, uh, things like reflection. I'm a big believer of reflection. Um, if I say it like sleep, so... If all of these people like yourself talking about how good mindfulness and meditation is and how important sleep is, if all of these people are saying how good it is and there's so much science out there, we really should be doing it. Um, but it's also finding it like changing too much. You can't change everything with people, but the back on track just gives little tiny resources, like little, little ones. Like, and at the end of it, if you write your own self-care book, like may it be in your head, I'm a big believer of writing. It's one of the most powerful tools that we've got as a notebook and pen. Um, it's been taken away from us. We're all storytellers at the end of the day. But there's a lot of self-care books out there. Over lockdown, I read so many. Some worked for me, some didn't. And I want people to know that if you try and follow someone like Elon Musk's, whatever his name is, routine, because it's going to make you feel better, unfortunately, it's not going to work because it's, his so yeah the back on tracks about teaching people to write their own um as such that's incredible and very inspirational so but any you know if you don't feel like you can talk about it then please just say but you touched on your own personal journey through suicide earlier on um if you'd be you know happy to open up a little bit about that and and what that's you know your 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 journey through that that would be incredible yeah no yeah of course um i mean like the word suicide still holds taboo uh i've done a talk once and a lady after i mentioned it 16 17 times she even whispered it in my ear and said i was very brave to talk about so yeah it's, it's a time and a place to talk about it um and obviously it does come with trigger warnings but mm. i went like having suicidal thoughts is quite common a lot more common than we think. Um, does it mean that you've got mental illness or you've got something wrong with your mental health? Um, again, I'm not a psychologist, but if it's something that's happening quite a lot, first of all, that's where it needs to be normalised as such um, and understanding why. But for me, it went a lot further. Um, I literally just put up a post. Um, like there's a picture of me smiling. I couldn't look any more happy. 12 hours later, I tried to take my life. Um, I was uh, I was detained under the Mental Health Act after. But well, there's a second time. But there's been a couple of times when 
I've got to the point and haven't got done it. But there was two times, uh, 2017, um, when I took a I took an overdose um, of a substantial amount of stuff. Um, I was bodybuilding at the times. I, I was abusing steroids and things like that. Something I'll happily talk about and open with. Um, I actually took a load of insulin. Um, I was using insulin at the time, not because I was diabetic, because of the benefits as such for a bodybuilder that it could do. Um, uh, I was really inexperienced to know what I was doing, to be fair. And uh, yeah, I took, took, a, took a large overdose. I'd been drinking really heavily. Um, and if it wasn't for the fact that I threw up everything that went into my stomach, the, the insulin was what basically put me to sleep temporarily. Um, my girlfriend came, found me covered in the vomit and the sick, um, everything else, which was not very nice for her to see because she didn't know anything was wrong with me. And you're talking like six years of up and down depression. Um, yeah, and then I was taken to the hospital. A guy from the side of the road was called in to help me, so he had to see it and all of these things. And I sat in the hospital. And I said earlier, I felt like a failure. Like, I was a dad. I couldn't be a dad. So I felt like I couldn't be a dad. And that's hard. Like, you'll be a parent soon. Like, when you feel like you can't be a parent or something like that, that's, that's hard. I felt like my life was failing. I felt that I had no control. This virus, like everything was consuming me. But the biggest thing for me was sitting in that hospital bed, looking around at people and looking at my partner at the time that was asleep next to me going, wow, like you can't even take your life, Dean. Something so simple, something so easy to do. This is what I thought. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't, I can't even do that. That's, you couldn't be even more worthless and pathetic. Um, another section, voluntary section. I was in the hospital a brief time. Actually, they were, they kind of were like, "Well, this maybe this isn't the right place for you." Um, I was allowed out. I went into crisis care, which I had everything taken away from me as a man. So I had all responsibilities taken away from me. Like somebody had to come and give me my medication daily because I was such a high risk. Right? Everybody's and they care. They're like, "Are you okay? Where's Dean? What's this happening?" You'd, all of these things, like not eating and, and, and all, everything that comes in. And you lose all independency. I lost where I was living, uh, job, all this stuff like that. And then shortly after, where there's pictures on social media taken, uh, shortly after Christmas, around Boxing Day, um, I was out, came back, um, and it was really like, this, 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 what happened there was really impulsive. Like, I wasn't well. I knew I wasn't well. But I had, it was like an urge mm. to, to, to take my life. And I, I, at the same time, I also wanted help. And this is why this suicide attempt was very different. It's something I want people to understand. Um, and I went to home base, right? Um, and I went and got, got stuff. And I was kind of like, this is going to look obvious. Like, if I'm walking around, this poor lady at the till, she didn't even... And all these things are people get drawn into what's going on with you as well. And like this lady served me stuff. And what I did is I brought other things to make it look like what I was going to do. And then I left the home base. I knew what I was doing, what I was going in. The whole entire time, I was like, I just want someone to help me as well. But I'm I'm also prepared to do this because I don't want to feel this way no more. Mm. So all the time I'm like, help me, don't like what 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 have I got to do? 
and people are calling me and I was I was a health I was a high risk uh, person and stuff like that. And I remember driving down the road and a police car come past and in my head I was like, he's gonna turn around and he's gonna pull me over. And the blue lights went, pulled me over. I went to the side of the road. He opened the door. Um, I just broke down. He looked into the footwell and was like, are you Dean? I was like, yeah, I'm Dean. He's like, come out, mate. Like, come on. Sort of like, I sat by the side of the road, like people driving past. You know, there's a lot of police pulling up now. Um, so there's all these people getting involved. Like, you know, there's a, there's a six foot four guy sat next to his car, like crying. Like asking for help, not to, like all of these things. And then, as I was getting up, the policeman was sort of like, uh, one one of the policemen said, sort of like, you know, should, you know, we've got breathalyzing, we've got to do all of those things and stuff like this. And like, you know, the policeman's never going to get into trouble. But he was kind of like, look, this guy's got enough on his plate. Like, I hadn't been intentionally drink driving. I drank the night before, which you can be over the limit. God, the amount of people that do that, and it's not right, you will break the law. But mm. that right there was like, right, okay. Somebody wants to help me. Like, regardless of what people think about that situation, that person wanted to help me. Um, and yeah, so I went, I, I, was, I was sectioned under the Mental Health Act then. Felt like I was back to square one, right back at the beginning. I got my parents sitting in this mental hospital, they can't even see me, they can only see me through like a door. I had my ex-girlfriend coming in at the time and she's sitting here and she's just like, I don't, like, I'm, I'm looking at all these people and, and my, my whole world's falling apart and, and so on. Um, and, and the big thing away from it is like, the first time I wanted to end it all, I wanted everything in my life to stop. I didn't want to feel that way. But the second time, I wanted help. Mm. Um, and, it makes me kind of think, like, how many people, it's not something we're going to know, but how many people take their life, they don't, they don't intend to, they just yeah. want help. Yeah. Um, and for me, coming into that kind of side of stuff with it, it's sort of like, I want people to know that, no, taking your life isn't the option. It isn't the option. Um, but I do want people to understand is that people only see it as an option to get help as well as people that want to finish it. And that was kind of how it happened for me. Um, and after that, it, it, it didn't exactly get better um, after diagnosis and medication. And I say to people, they're like, oh, you know, what happened? Like, you know, I've been diagnosed or something like that. Diagnosis isn't an answer. Mm. Um, it's not a cure, but it's definitely not an answer. What it does is it just gives you the answers of what's happened to get you there. Mm. how to then work on it it's not you don't it's not the reasons why you're you're ill it's not it's not why you feel that way it's it's just giving you kind of recognition or it's telling you that what happened is because of is because of this if that yeah. sort of makes sense yeah, well i think know. that sometimes um being given a label this is when like labeling and when labeling can be a positive thing, you know, I think that, you know, stereotypes and labeling is generally quite a negative, but I think in these sorts of circumstances, that's when it can be a, a slightly more positive thing because it gives you a, a groundwork, you know, or something to work from and also a community, you know, there's more than one of you, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, there's, it gives you a sense of, okay, so now I can, 
I think rather than having a, a, a floor underneath you that just keeps dropping away, there's at least a, okay, so this is what's wrong with me. Yeah. It's, it's part of the process. And, mm. and it's, it, it's, it doesn't, I don't want to like, say like you shouldn't talk about that because it, it doesn't get easier. Mm. Because the, the reason why that it gets harder in different ways mm -hmm. now, like you got some answers of what you went through, okay, and you can start to understand, mm -hmm. but it then gets harder in different ways because actually what you then need to learn how to do is how to look after it and manage it. Yeah. Because that's not what you were doing before. Yeah. And that's tough. And it is harder at first, but I can promise you looking after and taking all these little marginal gains in your mental health is a lot easier than going through the, the depression in terms of not getting help and feeling that way. And like, I, it's like being a man and sitting there, it's horrendous. I, I, I sat in hospitals. So I had to go to hospitals like every day and sit there and like, I'm looking around going, I'm not, like I'm not crazy. But I'm looking at these people, and I, I'm, I have to be honest with you. I'm looking and going, like there's people here talking to themselves. Like there's mm. people that this is what there's people that I've stereotypically yeah. say that had a mental illness, right? So I couldn't even get past that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sat here, like on the seat, like I'm a guy. You know, I've looked after myself. I'm ex-military. I'm a dad. I'm all of these things, and this is what it's come to. Mm. Like, I've come to, like, what I thought was, like, the epitome, like, the bottom of everything. And I didn't belong there. I was still in denial. Mm. Um, it didn't get easier. There were still attempts uh, on, on my life after as such. Um, things got really bad. I got really ill uh, through medication. I had a schizophrenic episode. I've had two schizophrenic episodes, uh, which is, like, the extreme way of bipolar. Um, what we think schizophrenia is like is, is serious <laughs> it's scary um, and yeah I think like it's it didn't need to go that far like if someone could if one person take away from it is that it doesn't need to go as far as taking your life it doesn't it doesn't it shouldn't okay because if you're thinking about taking your life okay that's not <laughs> it sounds like I can say the right words. It's not actually what you want. No. It's it's an it's an illness mm. doing that to you. Okay. It's not actually what you want. I I know it's not. So it's not something I wanted. It's something I wanted at the time because of how I was being treated by this illness, and I didn't understand it, and I didn't get the help, and so on. But I so now, and I have my bad times. Like I didn't. I don't want to end my life. No way. I don't want to. Because actually, deep down, like I, I really do love it. And mm. yes, I'm going to have hard times like everybody. And like I said, I want people to understand that it doesn't need to go that way. Like, that's that's something else doing that, talking to you or, or making you feel that way. Um, yeah, and so it's not you. How long ago was that? Um, so that was like 2007, uh, going into 2018. That uh, wasn't was, very was long that. ago. No, um, no, it really wasn't. Like, I, and I always have to double check the, the years uh, and such. But no, it wasn't a long time ago. Um, uh, and someone said to me, like, how have you got to where you are now? Mm. Um, worked my absolute ass off. Like, 
be under no illusion, looking after your mental health is tough. Looking after your mental illness is tough. Okay, it's not it's not going to be easy all the time. You've got to make small sacrifices. You've got to make changes. You've you've got to do certain things that you may not want to do. Um, you've got to take. You've got to step out of toxic relationships. You've got to figure out who the problem was. If it's it's you know it's 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 been it's been hard. Still have bad days. It was only like a few weeks ago. I was around a friend's house. Like, what the hell is happening to me? Like. I had an, I had, I had, an, I had like a transition. I thought I was self harming myself. Like I wasn't. Like I still have things go on yeah. and things like that. But yeah, it has been hasn't been too long. Um, but yeah, I was never diagnosed with bipolar until like March time. Wow. Uh, it was always PTSD. It's a really, it's a really easy thing to like. Your ex forces, ex army, and yes, PTSD, and everyone associates PTSD with being ex army. Okay, which is great, and I get that, but people go through it elsewhere. Um, but it's also doctors very quick label to give yeah. you or diagnosis. You're ex-army, right? Oh, you, you know, you're having some bad dreams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. PTSD. Oh, okay, cool. What do I do? And it's kind of left at that. But yeah. actually, bipolar can be, you know, biological and affected by trauma. Mm-hmm. Um so it always makes you think like how many people out there actually have bipolar and it's not depression and yeah. so on. And it took like it took a long time to get um, diagnosed. And I was diagnosed because I woke up, got showered, changed, shaved, and pretty much went straight back to work. Wow. Within a split second. And that was when the alarm bells rung. And then we looked back, realized that I'd spent thousands of pounds one year over the course of three months. And that was like, that's kind of bipolar. Then looked at other things, then started to see patterns, and then that was when the diagnosis of bipolar happened. Gosh, what a journey! <laughs> and you got when people say, "I like, you," you got to look back and laugh at it as well. Like I know as I was watching, like it's hell, and there's people out there going through far worse things, and there is no doubt that you've gone through your difficulties in in other ways, mm-hmm. but. You're through it. You've got to look back and like you've got to look at it a little bit lightheartedly to a degree and go, "Wow, yeah, that was tough." But laugh at the face of adversity. Yeah, it's yeah. And and do you find that there is a part of you that's like, "I got through that." And so it builds up your resilience to other things and to smaller things, smaller difficulties in yeah. life. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. No, definitely. And uh, it's kind of like one of the things to talk about is resilience. And like I said, it's constant development. The end goal of resilience is to thrive. Uh, it's all in different situations. You can't continuously thrive all the time. Uh, it's like four steps, like shock, um, shock, endure adapt fire that's what i teach people um it happens every day without us realizing it um stuff we don't even realize so yeah it definitely teaches me to be more resilient with stuff i had that fortunately by the army um a lot of people go no you're a lot more resilient than, than me you're really resilient we are all resilient every single one of us we're able to stand and have this conversation here 
world is hard, tough, we're more resilient. It's just how we adapt to certain things. Like there's certain situations in life that you do have to endure. I'm I'm very stoic and and everything else. And you are supposed to endure hardship, mm. okay, in different ways because it teaches you something. You, you're gonna go back. You're gonna go into shock, certainty, uncertainty. Okay, mm. like sometimes you put yourself into the situation, sometimes you don't, and then you adapt. You're phenomenal. Um, adapting human beings and then the end goal is thrive and that's that's what this whole process has taught me like the end goal or you said the words resilience mm-hmm. everyone's different yeah it's learning from your experiences isn't it 100% so I've got some questions for you and um, yeah. <clears throat> this person you might know because I noticed he was following you as well Robbie Van Stump Breakfast oh yeah yeah i'm training oh really <laughs> he could have just asked me this anyway <laughs> <laughs> he obviously wanted a feature so hi robbie thank you for your question um he said how does a vegan get enough protein for a training schedule when they can't eat soy well first of all if you're like you oh robbie me, how many times have we had this conversation yeah, kind of like if you're asking me this you're not <laughs> to train here mate are you obviously that little tiny ebook that i'm trying to type up um <laughs> Right, okay, cool. Let's, so, vegan, not able to have soy. The reason why some people don't have soy is for a number of reasons. Because one, because you've got far left, far right. Does this, does that. And then there is some science-based evidence. Uh, so, first of all, look at the reasons why. And then you can normally work around it. The next part is that you are going to have to eat a bit more food than the average person because I'm very fortunate, not fortunate, how people look at it, that I do eat so I can get my protein from there. Yeah. So being vegan itself is what tends to happen is that you fill up on other foods and when you're weight training or strength training or training in general or working at weight loss, protein should be your priority. Okay. The reason for this is the thermogenic effect of the food. Okay, so how the food is basically digested in the body. That's one way. Very, very loose way of looking at it. So the vegan itself is like, get your protein sources that are high in protein. So it has to be vegan. It has to be vegan. And, and like I said, you have to eat more. And prioritize your protein early on in the morning. Now, the thing about it is, is a lot of people look at high protein diets that you need to eat massive amount of protein. Okay? You don't. You don't need to eat huge. People do vary. People as they're... I know women that go up through their time, uh, up through their ages, they have to eat a little bit more protein, especially when they hit things like menopause. So for, for the vegan itself, it's like prioritize it. Now, for someone that's training a lot, I would always suggest, okay, if they can't get the food in, okay, and we've spoke, Robbie, how many times you've got to try and get the food in, all right, is have some form of supplementation, mm. okay? Now, some people are like, I don't want to put this in my body. I don't want to do that and, and whatever. And that's totally fine. But supplementation, get it on as early as day. Vegan-based proteins, um, there's, there's so much out there. So that's how I would look at it. Um, the, the, what I try to teach people is the education process. Like, it's not that you're not able to fit it all in. It's just you don't know what to fit in, how to fit in it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's, you, you've got to eat a little bit more food. Um, you've got to focus on your higher protein and if if you're taking things like soy away for whatever reasons and even things like tofu 
um, then you you do have to concentrate your work in, like I said, the more beans, the more lentils. I know I've just said beans and lentils, but the, 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 the produce that you get that are higher in protein. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard uh, being a vegan. Um, it's not impossible. I'm not saying it's hard because you can't eat meat. I mean, in terms of training, um, I've, I went plant-based, vegan, kind of, um, to see what it's like after that controversial Game Changers complete bias program came out. Um, well done, Netflix. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it comes back to that. It's, it's knowing those basics. Really long, long-winded answer there. And Robbie, we're going to be chatting after this. Yeah, you're going to nuke him, aren't you, next? <laughs> you have to go to somebody else. He gets, yeah, he gets 20 extra press-ups for asking questions. You. Okay, thank you, Robbie. So this is... Okay, um, this is Justin Elverton. He said, men are really bad at recognising symptoms of depression and struggles, so I find it really hard to open up to my friends. What advice do you have for me to do that or to help me cope? Okay, cool. So instead of trying to understand your emotions first, the moment that you think there's something wrong, i.e. the fact that you can't understand the emotion itself, that's normally a telltale sign. So that's your first part. If you're questioning yourself, not understanding your emotions, that's something that needs to be addressed, regardless if that's linked to depression, whichever. Then on the flip side of it, okay, and you'll need to have help with this, we'll get to end, is you've got to actually work out if it is depression or if it's something else. For me, I thought I was depressed once. It actually made me depressed. Okay, so that's one thing, trying to understand those bits. In terms of talking out and coping with it, look, there's a number of ways you can talk out and cope. Um, one thing I've got to say to you is that you can't do this alone. I'm not giving you an answer there, right? But what you can do is not everybody is very good at talking out in general, okay? Not just about their mental health. And by the sounds of it, what you're doing is you're listening to this, hopefully, and you're already doing something which you don't yeah. quite work. That's, you may not even think something the positive. So if you're not ready to talk out just yet, Put yourself, put yourself around every single possible that can because that will ease it. Sorry, I'm going to talk from my experience. You can become relatable to people. So I hope something I've said in the last sort of hour or so that you've related to, that's a step. Okay, you're already doing it. You don't have to speak out. Where you go from there is you need to find a method of expressing yourself with stuff. Okay, like it's very hard to talk. Okay, and there is there, there's websites now. Okay, and Vodafone, all these people that you can text, right? So try that as an approach. Okay, text all of these other little things. And on the flip side of it, okay, yes, some people are not aware that you might be going through difficulties, but your friends and family may actually be slightly aware and don't know how to approach you. Okay, so that's something to think about as well. And then the last thing is every single one of them, as pink and fluffy and cuddly as this sounds, every single one of them cares about your you. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. But give yourself some confidence. The fact that you've put your name forward and you've asked me this question, you have taken one of the biggest steps out of it all because you just spoke yeah 
that's so true isn't it and the very like you said at the beginning the very fact that he's listening to stuff is a big it's breaking a big barrier in the first place isn't it that right there makes me so happy because yeah. it, because you spoke yeah you, you you've spoke you've openly spoke yeah and to be fair you've openly spoke on a podcast that's going out to loads of people that's nothing to be scared of or make you feel feel uneasy about like you broke that initial boundary band don't mm. want to talk keep writing keep keep texting keep going yeah. on to podcasts and ask your questions because after a while you'll start to normalize it and that uncomfortable will start to feel a bit more comfortable action precedes the motivation i.e you've got to take action to be able to make progress yeah That's exactly right. Uh, Ryan said, a big question for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, what's the one thing that relieves the mental pain when you're feeling at your worst? Right. I can only talk from experience here mm. and with honesty, and I, I can honestly say it's not always the right thing for people to do, but mine's training. Um, I have the ability to, everybody knows me what I'm like with training. Um, I'll push every limit. It's kind of like a self-abuse, basically, mm. but I've harnessed it, and mm. that's what I do. Um, I'm not always great at it, and nine times out of ten, I, I can get injuries because of what it does. But I'm not really putting much at risk, really. Um but yeah, when I'm down, you you will see me in a gym. You'll see me training. You'll see me out running. It's not the right answer. I might not have done it right. I done a I done like a twenty miler once without no training, forty pounds on my back just because I was in a bad place. Mm. That's not a look at me. I'm I'm great. Mm. That's that's actually what it resulted in. So yeah, that's what I was to um, refer back to, and I think. May not go my way about it, but try it. I find that, um, I mean, again, him asking the question means that he's aware as well, which is brilliant. And I find that for me, if I've if I'm in a in a slump, then the best thing for me to do is, as soon as I'm aware of it, is to change my surroundings, just completely change whatever it yeah. is I'm doing, whether that means just just, just get up, just go for a walk, just change this environment because it's, it, otherwise I just sit there and I can start feeling more and more sorry for myself. And, and I don't want to speak to somebody because that's almost always, you know, mm. I'm just not in the mood for answering the phone. You know, if someone calls me when I'm in that frame of mind, I'm like, I don't have yeah. the energy. No, 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 totally. But removing myself from whatever environment I'm in and changing it, will almost always be enough to at least pick me up a little bit. Yeah. No, it's not, yeah, no, it's, it's true. And sometimes you've just got to do. Yeah. My psychiatrist said it to me. She's like, you get an anxiety thing, sometimes you've just got to go into it. Like, yeah. sometimes you don't want to do things, you do just have to go into it, like, because you start it and, and so on. Yeah. I like the environment thing, actually. Thanks for sharing that. It's distraction i think is what it is distract yourself do something different that's distracting you from you and it yeah and do you know what that works for you that's it's quite yeah i can understand actually relate because that's what i did with boxing 
Yeah. Um, like, I couldn't think of anything else because if I did, I got punched in the face. Um, That's so true, yeah. So, and, and I know you I know you do, like, your boxing. And yeah. Sports. Like, you can't think. Mm. And boxing, I brought it into the school. We're going to come way off. But kids should be taught okay, an element or something like boxing or martial art because it yeah. is so transferable. I brought it, I took it to the school in St. Albans and kids changed. Yeah. Kids changed. And there's a local charity, Grit, which is, which I was working with, they're local to Hitchin at the minute, and they use boxing as their core their core fundamental, and it's, it's uh, helping teens with resilience to, to self-harm, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it works. So, yeah, no, yeah, you're right, the environment. It's 100%. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's good to put that. Um, Jen Zachary said, what is the biggest assumption that people have about you? I'm an arsehole. <laughs> so <I> just... <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's look at it. But <laughs> go by appearance because that's what we do at first, right? We judge. So yeah. sometimes it's aggressive, big, like sort of arrogant. Yeah, get that, get that sometimes. Um, like tough and hardened, like trust not a case I've been ironed out by loads of people in the ring <laughs> so it's someone bigger and harder than you um but it's it's always what I, it's actually always what I'm not yeah. um like I used I met I met a girl like a little while back and the first thing she said was like you're not what I thought because social not social media Dating apps is all visual. Yeah. So she was like, I thought you was this full tattooed, hands on your tattoos, like materialistic, all of these things. No. So, yeah, that's what people, uh, that's what a lot of people think about me when it's first. And I like to think I'm completely different. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship with social media? Because you, like we touched on it earlier, um, you obviously able to use it to your own advantage and it's help it seems to be helping you because of what you're putting out there but um do you do you find that sometimes it is a little bit um, negative for you personally yeah um but i look at it like this like so social media you need to know when to stop Mm. okay and then on the flip side of it is that old saying like your tribe and attract your tribe and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The moment you follow someone, that changes everything mm-hmm. because you see those people. So for me, it's about yeah, it's about how that. That's my view of it. It's mm-hmm. such. It's like I I sort of know when to stop now, um, and it's powerful. Um, another thing, social dilemma come out, um, scared the hell out of everybody, but guess what? Everyone's gone back to the same. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm the same. Um, it's a drug. No one was ever going to stop it for very long, that's for sure. Come on, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, geez. But yeah, I think um, we spoke about it earlier. It's, 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 in, it's in the hands who's delivering the content and the hands that's uh, just... Um, receiving it if you're looking at someone 
and comparing yourself to someone, get rid. Yeah. For a number of reasons. One, Instagram is quite fake. Um, if you're reading someone's post and you disagree, get rid of it. You can make it really positive because I like what you said. It's an environment, right? It's an environment in a little glass plastic screen, whatever our phones are made out of. Mm. Glass and it's smash. Um, so yeah, like treat uh, treat it like an environment. Yeah, mm. I'm gonna use what you said. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so true. And that and the tribe thing though is exactly right. And people who people are obviously getting a bit more educated now on the fact that if you follow something, then before you know it, your entire world is full of that sort of feed, and uh, and it's a really uh risky move isn't it to start looking you spend a morning and you end up down a rabbit hole of of looking at comparing your body to somebody or something you know that's your classic particularly for women i think comparing the body to some model and then before you know it every time you look at your instagram you're flooded by these fit women um and so it is changing that you know, you've got to start honing your tribe a little bit and then you'll be surrounded by a, a much more positive tribe. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Mm-hmm. I, really, I really think, I know we half on about influencers, but I really think they need to, like, I don't know, it's kind of like, they need to get grip. Like, yeah. If you're, if you're sharing something that you know you shouldn't be sharing, like, influence, yeah. you're... Oh, I totally agree. Like, if you have a platform, then please do something positive with it. You have a voice if you've been you know if you've been granted something that you know there was so the very fact that people are desperate to be influencers you know that's that's gen negative in itself in the fact that almost always they do it because they think they're getting free things or they're getting rich that's not the reason to be an influencer no, you know, no, people no. are meant to be influential and we've totally missed the reason you know that people are inspirational and you know you touched on ted talks earlier for people on that they're not people who crave to be given yeah. free products you know they're people yeah. who've got a, yeah. a really positive voice and that's what the youngsters who are now wanting to be influencers they should be craving having a platform to to give a really positive voice and yeah we've i think it's going to implode at some point <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 totally. It is. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, we're all guilty for it. Like, I don't, uh, I feel it's got to a point where, like, if I look at both genders, it's like, I look in kind of my industry, it's kind of like women are having to, like, put themselves in front of a camera in ways they shouldn't. Yeah. And, like, I follow some, some women that, that are really inspirational and they're really honest and they really treat themselves. And, I don't know, it just makes, it's, it's like, it's it's kind of like, if that's what you have to feel that you've, you've got to do to do that, then, you know, we do have something wrong there. Yeah. It's the same for guys, right? right? A lot of these fitness models and stuff like that, they ain't natural. No. Right? Plus, they've, they've had a photo shoot. Yeah. Secondly, it's their job. So, Guys are like, yeah, I've got to go and do this and do that and, and so on. And it's it's like everyone's cup of tea. Like, I, you know, I spoke about James Smith earlier. Like, loads of people love him. Loads of people don't. Mm. Right? That's that's it. And you know, the the other people like 
I don't know too many like in other worlds, but other people love them, other people hate. But are they influencing people in the right way? Like, you know, and so on. So yeah, influence are a bit of like my the vein. And then everyone's trying to be an actor now, aren't they, with reels? <laughs> Oh god, yeah. Did you idea one of them? Nah. <laughs> you don't have to be you don't have to do a reel to become famous on Instagram, please. No. Um, Incredible, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's evolution, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Hopefully it evolved quickly. Um Oh yeah, and Madeline said, How do you cope with running your own business and managing your mental health? Wow. <laughs> like to say that I cope most of the time. Um, I hit a turning point with lockdown. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's coping. I'd say it's constantly adapting. Um, I have to, I have to, I have to understand that I have a mental illness and that bipolar affects all of these things. So I have to adapt with it, not necessarily cope with it. Um, but how I, how I do, do do that is that I don't put a massive workload on anymore. It is what it is. Like my mental health is far more important. My mental health is far more important than other people's because for me to be able to help people, I need to be selfish. Mm-hmm. You've got to be selfish to be selfless. So first of all, if you're managing your own business, don't think of everybody else. Think of yourself. Um, second of all, um, understand that things are going to go wrong. And it's not because of your mental illness that it's gone wrong. That's because it's business. Mm. So it's not your fault. And if something does go wrong, if you've made a mistake, probably not your mental illness. It's something to learn from. Um, and then for, for me, finally, is that have ha, have a mentor or coach myself. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you have to pay for them, but having a business, you should have boundaries anyway, right? Um, you know, enough boundaries for you to build your business, enough boundaries for you to develop it also rein you in but you've also got to have them personally so if you struggle with boundaries have someone that can can put those boundaries in place for you because it's very easy for me i come with bipolar it can be it can be detrimental like i've i've built a business in the first lockdown gone doesn't exist like that was a bipolar episode i could spend the rest of the year beating myself up about it and I could really be even more gutted that I, I lost loads of money with it. But I can't change it. Yeah. Right. Will I learn? <laughs> Who knows? Um, and then also, enjoy it. Enjoy doing it. And as hard as that is, enjoy doing it. And I know it's hard right now, but if you're in, and there's tough times, but if you're in business just alone and with a mental illness, if you're not enjoying it, stop. And go through. I did it. Start of the year. Wasn't enjoying one-to-one personal training. I stopped. Mm. So yeah, that's how I cope with stuff, with business. It's hard. It's hard. It takes quite a lot of courage, I think, to stop things, doesn't it? 
to, to yeah. be able to say, mm. actually, this is not helping me. This just doesn't feel, I don't, I'm not enjoying this. And, mm. and people get so stuck in things because they feel like they can't stop or they're, it would be admitting defeat or they can't leave a job because they're, or what, what would I do instead? You know, yeah. fear of the unknown and, and things like that. Yeah. And, yeah, we're not very good at listening to us, to what makes us happy. No, totally. Like, I wasn't the personal training. And then on the flip side of it, I was kind of like, why am I staying here? Mm. And the first one was loyalty, because I'm very loyal with stuff mm. right now. Mm -hmm. The second one was, if I stopped, what was I going to do? And then the, 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 the kind of the last one with it was sort of like, I'm providing a service. I'm not putting 100% into it. Mm. I'm basically just doing it to fill a bank balance. That in itself isn't right, mm. morally. Mm. So hard, broke me down. I said goodbye to people that had, mm. that had paid my income for years, that had supported me and my daughter in ways they didn't know. All of these things, and it was gutting. And I, part, I parted ways business-wise with such a good friend of mine, and that was another thing as well, is my friendship was at risk. Mm. And that's not worth it either. And, and that, that's how it comes. And then you can outstay your welcoming places. Yeah. That's it, right? Like relationships. Like why do people break up? Like might just be because they've outstayed their welcome with each other. Like mm. why, why, why have you fallen out of love with something? It just might outstayed your welcome why did I quit personal training one-to-one -one? I just outstayed my welcome there I've done it I loved it that's as far as it went yeah do you feel proud of yourself no um it was quite quick there wasn't it mm. I kind of felt <laughs> coming um No, the, the reason being is that I have, I have an issue with complacency. So the moment that I feel like, don't get me wrong, I've, I've achieved some, some great things, some amazing things, and I recognize them. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of, not myself, I'm proud of some things that I've done, serving like in the military. But I feel like the moment that I say I'm, I'm proud, proud of myself, and I could be wrong here, someone with a very high up psychology degree might tell me I've got issues. I feel like if I answer that and, and say that I am, then I'm going to get complacent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a conclusion almost. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way because it kind of feels like where do you, in my head, like where do I go from there? Yeah. So yeah, different events, but I uh, like complacent. I don't want to get complacent. And I kind of see that as, 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 as a sort of parallel to it. Proud of where you've come got what you've got through but but it's a it's a never-ending learning uh, journey <laughs> and all the way to your buried yeah and even then let's face it it's, it's, it's hard going even getting that done isn't it in terms of if you have to pay to exit this place <laughs> you know what I mean? like, the businesses are i figure out what <laughs> yeah, so, yeah um and so is there anything else that you feel like you would like to say to our audience? I just think like, yeah, just uh, don't, don't 
put the pressure on yourself that you have to talk out. It's great. Like you hear all these people, yeah, you've got to talk, we've got to talk, we've got to talk. But you know what? You don't have to talk. It'd be great if you did. There's other ways that you can do stuff. Like wanting to talk is some serious pressure. Yeah. So just do a pitch straight back. Like surround yourself with people like you and and people like 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 myself that are sharing experiences. Like just take away that strain. I've got to talk, I've got to talk, I've got to talk, I've got to talk. I would love you to talk. It'd be great. And so would loads of other people. But you don't have to right now. There is other ways about it. That doesn't mean you have to lock it inside. But there is other ways. Dean, you've been very inspirational. Thank you. I appreciate your time. I enjoyed this one. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing, for being so open as well. And I'm, I'm really aware of the fact that I've taken so much of your time, but you were really, you're very interesting and very engaging. And I know that people will really appreciate the things that you've said. No, thank you. That's fine. I think keep, keep doing what you're doing as well. Like you've got some incredible people. Like when you asked me to come on, I was like, <laughs> this is some big deals going on now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you got some copy lines and some quality people. Yeah. On. So yeah, like likewise, keep doing what you're doing. Obviously, going through your pregnancy and it's not long. No. <laughs> Enjoy it and doing all this. But no, thank you so much for your time. Thank you too. Keep in touch and have a great day. You too. Thank you. See ya.